This is the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast, the most unpublished podcast in the business. My name is Matt Wolf, and I'll be your host. This episode is all about Unpub 6. We're going to share our experiences at Unpub 6 and our advice for attending future Unpubs. I hope you enjoy. All right, and here we have Daniel Solis. Hey, Daniel. Hello, hello. And so, Daniel, we're here talking about your Unpub 6 experiences. So let's start off with, this is like your like your fourth time going, is that right? I think it is four, yes. Yeah. So you're the most experienced person from our group that has gone to these. So in general, how was your uh, Unpub 6 experience? Uh, I'd say the uh, Unpub 6 experience was, was fantastic, but uh, every year has been very different. I, I would characterize this year as really being the one where uh, Unpub feels like it's reached past that awkward stage of adolescence where it's actually becoming a little bit more mature and becoming somewhat like a kind of a big deal. I remember back a few years ago, not long ago, and it was a much smaller affair. And now we're in the Baltimore Convention Center. There's a lot of people around, a lot of attendees. Um, even with uh, the bad weather outside being being all cold and dreary, just tons and tons of public uh, coming in and playtesting games and uh, having kind of really good spirits about uh, every game they they approached. It was really fun. And the uh, schools of cheerleaders did not seem to put a damper on anything. <laughs> yeah, they were fierce though. They're, they're very intimidating. If you just like if you saw them coming towards you, you're like, okay, I'm gonna get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like kind of the the attitude when you're when you're doing cheerleading at that level. You know, like at the competition level, you're just you're just fierce. Uh, but anyway, so what um, what designs did you have at Unpub? Uh, the two I had several, but the two main ones that I was testing were Koi Pond Second Edition, where I'm trying to, I'm taking an old version, an old game, Koi Pond. It was one of my first card games that I self published, um, and trying to update it and tweak it um, with a new drafting mechanic and some other t- small streamlined uh, mechanisms. Uh, and that was what I, what I was testing there, uh, something that was a little bit more a little more firm. And then I was also testing a lighter game called Curse You Robin Hood where players are merchants in Sherwood Forest trying to get rich, but not so rich that Robin Hood notices and steals from them. And both of those uh, went pretty well. Robin Hood was, was by far the bigger hit, I, would, I think. And it kind of goes into my past experiences of testing out shorter, lighter games and having a lot more success with those in the unpub environment rather than something that's a little bit longer, perhaps a little more thinky, perhaps would be better served in a more quiet environment. So far, I'm pleased with the feedback forms that I've been getting for both games. Was there any feedback that really stood out for you? Yeah, um, I think what I'm going to have to do with Koi Pond is kind of take it a little bit back to take it a step back. I may have gone too far in one direction in the, in the development with this second edition idea with this kind of weird drafting mechanism. Um, one thing I found was in that rapid fire playtesting environment that, that is unpub repeated, like literal physical fumbly bits about picking up cards, moving pieces around uh, things that were just kind of awkward to manage uh, at the table uh, were repeatedly happening, but they were small. And if you only had done uh, like one playtest a week, you would forget about them. But ha- having 
10 play tests in a row, one after the other, seeing the same small thing happen across multiple groups, I realized, okay, this, this drafting mechanism that I have is just too fiddly, probably, and I need to uh, take, it, take it back into the, to the garage and, and do something else with it. But yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's good feedback. That's the kind of thing that you really want in a game that's still in development. You don't want necessarily something that's, that's just, I like it or I don't like it. You want something that's a little bit more meaty and more actionable. Right. And it, it's funny that you're 100% correct with like that concentrated, you know, repeated play test. You see trends way faster than you would see over like a, a quote unquote normal, you know, development cycle of just, yeah, doing it weekly or biweekly or whatever it might be. And that, that is one of the absolute best parts about Unpub, just immediate trends that would take you way longer to figure out. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't all that, all the constant uh, playtesting that you get, it's way harder to fool yourself into thinking something's working. Yeah, that's very true. Now that that's actually a great segue to uh, a question we got on Twitter from uh, Ben Beagle. So his question is: How do you react when something obvious, obviously isn't working, and you still have an entire day of playtesting to go through? So what do you do? <laughs> so my method—I think I mentioned, mentioned this methodology in the past—that I will, uh, when I'm developing a game, I'll do one test and then change it, and then do two tests and then change it after that, and three tests and change it after that. Part of that was the, my uh, trying to get over ha- my habit of changing everything after every test. So in that situation where I realized after three or three or four playtests with Koi Pond, noticing that this uh, drafting mechanism was just too fiddly to work with, I just kept doing it. I just kept testing the same exact thing, mainly to confirm that gut instinct. And now I can really be confident that it's not working. And that, that's entirely that's, an, that's a valid outcome of a test. When you have confidence that something isn't working, that's just as valuable as confidence that something is working. So that you know you fully, completely tap that that path of development and know that it's probably not the best path to take. And so you can backtrack and take another path. Um, and if someone asks, hey, why did you go this way when you could have done taken that previous path? You can say, yeah, well, I tested that a bajillion times and here's what happened and here are the, here are the results. And here's why it's probably better that I didn't do that, that path, even though at first glance it may seem like it would have, would have been the better way to go. Yeah, I think uh, proving the negative is is just as important as proving the positive, and sometimes maybe even more so. And yeah, I think that's a that's a really good uh, piece of advice. Is there any uh, other advice you would give to someone that might be going to Unpub, whether they're going as a designer or a, just a playtester, or if they're you know someone maybe Unpub curious or not sure if it's for them? Uh, well, there are a number of different game design uh, conventions out there now. There's Metatopia, there's Protospiel, and and of course Unpub has several uh, smaller satellite events called Unpub Minis all around the country um, and and beyond. I think now. In all of them, I would think I think doing some research and seeing what the playtest environment is like for each of these uh, conventions would be really useful. And, and I haven't been to any of these others, so I, I can't say for sure. But Unpub in particular is big. It is fast, and the and presently right now there's this uh, raffle that playtesters are entered into for every feedback form they uh, submit into the system, and that isn't necessarily something that's going to overtly uh, compel people to play test as many games as possible in order to raise their chances of winning something in the raffle. But it 
is some small structural one of the many structural little things that 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 favor a shorter faster game if you're if you're looking to play test something uh, there are maybe other other shows where a longer game or a more quiet game may be a better fit but so far in the past four years I have had far more success um, and, and witnessed a uh, quite a bit more success with shorter faster games yeah that seems to definitely be the kind of the takeaway and i i guess it's not good or bad that that it's that way it just kind of is i i would like to see some kind of i'm really not sure what could be done but i'd like to see something to be done to kind of encourage some you know longer games uh to be able to be tested and i don't know maybe there could be some type of specific track for specific playtesters that might be interested in longer games or you know some kind of emphasis i'm not sure but i, w- I would like to i do worry a little bit that um it, you know, we're, we're putting an emphasis on such short stuff and and then it'll be almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone just keeps having <laughs> shorter and shorter things but yeah it's a that's a it's a tough problem to solve and then the last question we have is uh, did you have an opportunity to to play anyone else's games and if you did uh was anything really a standout for you i did uh actually uh, not as much as i wish i could uh, i i probably i wish i could stay up later because I think a lot of the cross designer playtesting was happening after hours, and I was just so beat after a long day of, of testing my own games that I didn't really have energy to to stay up late and then, and then do it again the next day. So that said, I did playtest a couple games. One a prototype from Eric Lang, which was really cool. That I, I'm glad to have been ha- glad to have seen that playtested a uh, two player abstract from Isaac Shalev. Gosh, there were there were a few other things that oh yeah, um, uh, Dave Chalker's Cutthroat Kitchen inspired uh, cooking game, which is basically real real time dice rolling uh, and set collection. It's it's most gonzo thing I, I I've played in a long long time. <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm, I'm not even normally a, a, a real time dice rolling type of gamer player, but uh, this was really cool and it was really fun. And this, the the presentation and story that comes out of making these bizarre ingredients uh, in, mixtures of ingredients to make like pho or uh or tacos or uh, just are really really fun so yeah seeing a lot of different styles of games from established designers in their nascent stages of development was really eye-opening and i think very educational for me and like just seeing oh here's how other pros do it they're sort of in the same boat that i am they have (laughs) games that that are rough around the edges and they have games that that they don't look that great on the table but they but they have some real promise in terms of gameplay like we're they're just like us. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's an excellent point because sometimes, like on Twitter or Board Game Geek or things like that, we only see the things that they want you to see. You know, they, mm. they, we see the good stuff, like the, the you know, like the okay, this is finally ready to show the public. And when you're at something like Unpub, yeah, you see the warts, you see the boils, you know, you see the problems <laughs> in other people's designs and that's it's like really reaffirming like you said it's like yes you know it helps to really fight imposter syndrome you know that uh, yes it's uh, even these people who have been doing it for a while they still have the same issues they go through the same process or similar process anyway and yeah i I think that's a that's a really key uh thing there well great anything else you want to mention uh for your uh, unpub experience I will say just keep an eye on Unpub in particular, uh, just in general. It sounds like it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, The growth has been, I think, a responsible growth that hasn't just just blown up and and gotten bigger than, uh, than than it really has the capacity to handle. It's growing very well. 
uh, and the right pace. And I think it'll have a very bright future. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks very much, Daniel. Thank you. And next we have Adam Skelding. Hey, Adam. Hey, how you doing? And this was, if I recall correctly, your second Unpub. Is that right? That's correct. I was at Unpub 5 last year and then this one this year. And uh, how was your Unpub 6 experience? It was absolutely fantastic. I had a great time. And I think after going last year and kind of getting the bugs out, um, I think I had a much more productive time this year. Awesome. So what is something that you made sure that you did this year now that you had kind of a, a year under your belt? Um, I made sure to kind of make myself go up and talk to more people. Well, the game I brought this year, Explorers, was just smoother. Last year's game was pretty good, but this year's game was, was I mean, as smooth as silk. So, uh, well, it was until I got to Unpub. But uh, <laughs> it was as smooth as silk, and I think because the game was a better game, I think the whole experience went a little bit better, too. I, I guess it always helps to have a good base. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And, and that's nothing against a goat too far. I think that game is great. And so it just goes to show you that even having something that's uh, even any amount better uh, will improve uh, your, your experience. Did you have any uh, particularly good playtests or, or any uh, good insight from uh, any playtesters? Well, uh, there's these two guys named uh, Eric Lang and uh, Rob uh, Davio. Never heard of those guys. Who oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, those guys came by and played my game, and that one went pretty well. But uh, <laughs> besides that, the other – I had a lot of good playtests. I had 16 playtests, and one of the ones besides those two playing it that really stuck out in my mind was – I think it was the last group on Sunday, and they had played my game a year ago, a go-too-far. They recognized my logo on my sell sheet because it was my little uh, – it was a it was a, one of the trolls from a go too far, and they came and they sat down. We just had an awesome, awesome time. And I want to I'm trying to trick myself into believing that I remembered them from last year, and I'm not sure if I did or not. But <laughs> but uh, but they were just a really super fun time, and they loved the, this game just as much as they loved to go too far. And that was just a really good way to end it, and uh, very uplifting. Yeah, it's it's always nice when you get like repeat playtesters. Uh, I, I had that as well. I had a couple that last year they played uh, at the time. It was called Rocket Powered Avalanche, and of course that's now Avalanche at Yeti Mountain. And they played uh, the thematic sequel uh, Tsunami at Yeti Beach. So that was fun. It was it was like you, know, I, you guys are gonna have to come back every year. And now I'm gonna have to have a Yeti game like every year now, just to <laughs> for the same. Yeah, you're, same you're setting the bar pretty high. I know I mean, you're gonna run out of places for Yetis to hang out and go <laughs> vacationing there. <laughs> it's it's not the locations. It's the we need the natural disasters. That's the uh, that's the problem. <laughs> you know? So uh, to back up a second, so you got Eric Lang and Rob Davio to play your game, and they were the special guests for uh, Unpub Six. And how did that come about? Did you go up and ask them to play? Did they just kind of randomly sit down? It was the first game Sunday, and uh, I was sitting at my table. I had just gotten there and kind of set up, and and they walked up, and they said, hey, uh, we'd like to play. I'm like, great, sit down. And they said, well, we may not – I said, it's about 30 minutes long. And they said, well, we may not get through the whole thing. But it turns out they ended up playing the whole game in about 30 minutes, and they stayed like another 10 minutes and gave me feedback. So it was just – I don't know what – made them come and sit down at my table. I mean, no one's fessed up that they paid off these guys or anything like that. <laughs> but thank you if you did. But it was it was fantastic. And they sat down, they played it, they'd enjoyed it, and they had uh, some good, really in-depth 
feedback. I mean, right up, right quickly. First thing, very in depth, very analyzed the game while they were doing it, and it was just, it was great. Yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, it's moments like that that make Unpub just what it is, and and just a really special, you know, kind of of place. And even if you don't get, you know, people of that stature, you know, within the industry, you'll still get those kind of moments from people playing your game and, and get some, you know, some really insightful feedback to, to make it better. Did you have an opportunity to play any games while you were there? I did not have any chance to play any, um, any, any other designers games. And that's one thing I regret the most is that I just didn't have a chance to do it because I was just so focused in on, on making everything go smoothly this year. I mean, last year, I kind of remember spending a lot of time right at the end on designer day, like walking back and forth to FedEx office and getting stuff printed and cutting stuff out. And I had all that done ahead of time. And so that freed up more time, but I was still a little too focused in on just making sure everything went smoothly. And so I didn't get a chance to play any of the games. And that's for Unpub 7, which I already bought my ticket. I'm going to change and play some uh, the other designer games next year. Cause that's a great thing to do and learn, learn from the other designers, obviously. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm, I'm like you that I, I I really want to be able to play more games from other designers, and I just don't have the time uh, during the day. So usually uh, what I've done the past few years is I play them uh, in Unpub After Dark when it opens up for just regular open gaming. You can play whatever you want. And then I'll go around and play uh, other uh, designers' games if I'm able to. So, for example, I played... Uh, songbirds by uh, matt riddle and ben pinchback and you know, i couldn't do that during the day but you know after dark was fine played tc petty's uh rolls election which is roll selection but it's oh. rolls election oh, <laughs> big groan for the peanut gallery <laughs> yeah which is an absolutely fascinating game i don't know how he came up with that i don't know what kind of fever dream he had that when he <laughs> when he came up with that one um, and I got to play Dan Halstead's, uh, he was calling it, I think, Supercell, um, which is uh, about uh, uh, chasing storms. I don't know why he didn't call it Storm Chasers. That's that's like a more exciting name to me, but whatever. Look it up on BGG. It may already be taken. Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe. Some 1994 Milton Bradley game that came out after the movie with the... Uh you know, where they chase their tornadoes or something, some horrible roll and move, and, you know, names already taken. It, I just checked, and it is not. Uh, oh, so, yeah, nothing there. okay. There probably is something called Twister, though, uh, you know, after the, yeah. the movie. Uh, but, yeah, no no Storm Chasers. Well, of course, then there's obviously, you know, Twister. The, Twister. Uh, right, Twister, Twister. Right. 52 Hasbro game or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were going to give some advice to someone who has not gone to Unpub before, whether they would be a designer who would have a table or uh, someone who's going just to play test, uh, do you have any specific advice for them? Uh, for the designers, uh, don't be afraid to walk up to someone and just introduce yourself and say, Hi, I'm Adam or insert your name here, and uh, just start talking to people. Because I think I was a little bit shy um, last year, but this year I was much more likely to talk to people, and even people just walking along. I'm going over to the, you know, the waters to refill my water bottle or something, and I just stop. I said, oh, hi, I'm Adam. Uh, what do you have here? And they, someone would give me their quick pitch, and I saw a couple of what I thought might be kind of neat games just kind of back and forth walking around uh, here and there. I didn't get a chance to play any, unfortunately. But uh, but people are more than willing to talk to you, just like I'm more more than willing to talk to anyone that comes up to my table. And anyone who's walking by, you know, greet them with a big smile. Say, hi, how you doing? Uh, you interested in this game? I've got this game. And, 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 you know, if they don't want to play, that's fine, too. But 
if they do, I mean, start off with a smile and just a you know a very happy how you doing, and that uh, that works wonders. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with both those points. I think uh, in this industry. The vast majority of people are just very nice, very approachable. May, maybe not the most outgoing because you know, you know, we tend to be a bunch of introverts in the uh, <laughs> in the board game world. Um, yeah. you know, I, unless you're you know really into social games, and then you're you're probably not an introvert. But yeah, definitely just just go up and and introduce yourself, talk to people. That's uh, it can be a hurdle you know to get over, especially if you're not like super comfortable doing that. But it's definitely worth it. Um, and so whatever whatever you have to do mentally to allow yourself to do that do it uh totally worth it and and i also agree yeah if someone's just walking by your table you just you know say hey hey guys how's it going and you know probably nine out of ten times you're gonna at least strike up a conversation or uh, reel them in to play your game and that's all it takes is just you know smile and and engage them a little bit and and uh you know kind of hook them that way anything else you want to uh, mention about your uh, unpub sex experience not one other thing that I worked out for me, pretty me was the uh, the business cards, mm. and I made them basically, you know, like a tiny little sell sheet. So, and it just, I mean, real big had the number of players, had the time, had the age, and you know, the quick uh, one sentence describe them my games. And I was writing on the back of that card just my table number. If I was talking to someone the night before or at Unpub After Dark, yeah, I'm playing, having this game, and my table's F8. If you get a chance, come on by and check it out. And some people that came by and checked it out didn't have time to play, but they would still come by and check it out, and that was one way to kind of get the word out a little bit. And then, uh, you know, I have your secret agents like Ruth. I gave her a card, and she gave it to <laughs> someone else, and they came by and played. So, oh, maybe she's the one that sent uh, Eric Lang and uh, Rob over. All right. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, very successful Unpub 6, and I know we're already looking forward to Unpub 7, which is uh, kind of scary to think about. Yeah. One last thing I'd like to add, come to think of it, is after this Unpub, I am still ready to, you know, go, go, go and work on my game and and, and make it better and improve it. Uh, last year, I was a little burnt out and I just wanted to put it away for a couple months. But I think after this one, this year was great and I'm ready to just jump back in and start making changes and making the thing better. And uh, I'm not sure why, but uh, that post-unpub experience has made the unpub feel that much better. Do you, do you think maybe just because you've been through it once before? I, I that, that might be it. I, that might be it. And... um one thing is is even you know as a designer you try to you know put yourself outside the game and how would a play tester look at this and see this situation and still there were things that I didn't pick up on that you know after four or five six games these comments start popping up and just because you're so used to the game and so familiar with the game sometimes you don't see the forest or the trees or the trees or the forest or however that goes. Yeah, the vegetation for some other type of vegetation. Yeah, the brush for the verge or something. All right, so that's going to pretty much wrap it up. Thank you very much, Adam. All right, thanks, Matt. Okay, and now we're here with James Myers. Hey, James. Hello, hello. And so this was your first uh, Unpub convention, correct? Yes, yes, it was. And how was your experience? Uh, it was very good for the most part. Um, I got in some fantastic play tests. Mostly, it was Valley of the Mammoths, which is definitely my game farthest along in development. Got in, I think, six play tests of that over the course of the weekend, and got in a couple of play tests of Super Brawl, which is a new game I'm working on. Only to discover it was not really ready for that 
kind of testing. So basically it was like I played it and suddenly realized I didn't know how to teach it and probably needed to change a whole bunch of components, which is a little bit tough to do on overnight notice. So when when you say it wasn't ready for that kind of experience, what, what exactly do you mean? It was a little bit too much in flux in terms of rules and play styles, and it did not at all play how I thought it had played, having playtested it myself, because it's very genre-specific. It's it's basically it's a super-powered cage match is the, the short of it. I based it off of an MMO I used to play, and so a lot of the language that I used in the game, I knew very well, and the public did not, or at least the at least the first couple of folks I had playtesting it did not. And so I struggled to teach it, and they struggled to understand it, and it was just very difficult to get the game across to them. I see. So is there something that you would do differently, you know, like next year, you know, knowing what you know now, or would you just not uh, show that particular design at Unpub, and would you work on something else instead? I don't know. I think given... If I had an extra... I don't know, an extra few... Because this, this game is only about a month old before Unpub. So I think if I had a few more weeks kind of play with it and get a little bit wider testing audience in the you know locally before I took it there, it might have gone a little bit better. Specifically the issue with the language that I used on the cards. I could have gone with something much more generic that would have made it a lot easier to teach okay well i mean that's a good lesson to learn you know and and it'll uh it'll impact definitely next year at the at the very least yeah was there any any particular feedback that you got that was like either particularly insightful or just really really helpful not from playtesters specifically i had a couple of playtesters mention art because i failed to mention hey this is obviously not final art because it's black lines on a white board because art is one of the issues with Valley of the Mammoth that I have to figure out how do you represent a board looking the same from every direction. But I tried out some new things on the after talking to Chris Kirkman of Dice Amy Games, and so I got feedback from him, and it went over really well after I was able to make some changes Sunday morning to some cards, and so that feedback was great. I think something we, we kind of all discovered was the table presentation is really, really key. Um, in fact, more so than I think it has been in past years. And I think part of that is just because a lot of designers are kind of stepping up the amount of effort that they put into their prototypes. And just with the wider pool of designers that are going, we're just you know seeing, uh, you know, I guess, really prettier uh, prototypes. And so I think there's a little bit of um, of an expectation from playtesters uh, to have something that looks a little bit nicer, not not finished by any means, but you know a little bit uh, nicer than yeah, just a black and white icon on a card and you know a board with rough uh, lines and, and things like that. Yeah, and unfortunately, right now that is my design aesthetic. Right. So I have to figure out how to break out of that for future tests no so so i think a good thing to do is is just um to set expectations going into the the play test and just be like, all right so you can see here this this uh design is uh or at least uh physically looks uh very rough and so don't worry about art or illustrations or anything like that if anything's unclear you know with like the ux of the game uh, absolutely let me know 
Um, but I, I think you could try to set those expectations and then hopefully head off some of that uh, kind of feedback that people might have on something that they shouldn't really, you know, be uh, paying attention to. Different, obviously, if you're playtesting with like your final art, uh, should the, you know, the game be signed, oh, yeah. or if you are uh, going to self-publish it yourself. Like they had uh, Fate of the Elder Gods uh, back on... Oh, what table was that? Like M8, I think it was. Something right at the end of that row, yeah. Yeah, and and that was, they were testing, in addition to testing the actual game, uh, also the final art, or at least what they believe is going to be final uh, at this time. And so they still have lots of time to, you know, tweak things and, and incorporate that kind of feedback. Yeah. But for something, you know, for, for the rest of us, that kind of feedback is not what we're looking for because we're just not at that uh, at that stage quite yet. But even so, I think it'd be worth investing some time into figuring out some way to make it look nicer just to be like, hey, check out this game that is not index cards and sleeves. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, did you have an opportunity to uh, play any other games up there, uh, or were you just focused on uh, on your own stuff? I managed to get in a couple of tests of a couple of other designers' games. I managed to test Drew's game of access when we were playing around with it one night, and he was making some changes overnight for the next morning. But for the most part, I was locked into playtests at my table and when i was not i was soaking in the creative atmosphere and making more prototypes <laughs> yeah that is an interesting uh, byproduct of umpub is that it really you know ratchets up your creativity just being around all these designers and and just kind of seeing what uh, what happens the last question i have here is do you have any advice for anyone else who maybe they haven't been to umpub yet uh, whether they'd be a playtester or a designer that may look at a table, and since you've been through it now, uh, you can you can maybe uh, save them some some trouble. Well, for playtesters, I would definitely say plan ahead. Use use the program, find those games that look really cool, and seek them out. And don't be afraid to wrangle other people because that will make the that will make the you you the best friend of the designer is if you wrangle a group yourself and come to the table from the designer side i definitely felt like this year i brought a game that was perhaps too late in design and or too early in development so like it's at the it's at the border where it's like okay a whole lot of stuff is not changing and the things that will change aren't there yet so there wasn't a whole lot to get feedback on had i not made those changes sunday morning i would have had very little meaningful feedback that i had not already received in previous tests and on the other hand i brought one too early in development where it was way too in flux and nothing was set enough to be able to get good feedback on it it was basically like i've got to rehaul the entire thing so i don't know if it's how to how to phrase it basically it's good to take a design in the middle where it's like yes the core is set but i'm still tweaking a lot of things I think that's the stage of design that you're going to get the most out of. Either that or like very, very late. Like it's going up on Kickstarter soon. Make sure it's not broken. And I think it's like if you take it too early, it's just going to be too wild and crazy. And if you take it too late without actually being in the development process, still being in the design process, then you'll be like, well, I'm not sure what else to add or what else to change. The stage of the design definitely, I think, is something to consider before you take it. Okay, yeah, I I think it does depend on the individual designer. Some designers are a little bit more freewheeling, and they can um, just kind of 
change things on the fly or they just, you know, can be a lot more flexible uh, just in the, you know, kind of shoot from the hip a little bit. But, you know, if you are a designer who is not comfortable with kind of doing that kind of thing, if you like to be a little bit more more structured and then then yeah i think you're i think you're right that you would have to make sure your design is has a good solid core that you don't feel is going to change but isn't done uh, so you can still you know kind of see how people are responding to it or you have something that is uh, really really far along and you're just trying to get people to you know break it or uh, potentially you're just trying to get notice for it and and to either uh, you know find a publisher or uh, get a little bit of you know more awareness of it uh, before you know it, it will you know like you said perhaps go on a, a Kickstarter uh, campaign. Yeah, and if I had if I had thought about it more in detail ahead of time, I might have suggested for people to try to break value of the mammoths. It probably would have been useful, but it just did not even occur to me until we were talking about it afterwards. All right, thanks very much, James, and I'm glad that uh, Unpub Six worked out very well for you. Yes, thank you. Next time at Unpub Seven. And next up, we have Burke Drew. Hey, Burke. Hey, Matt. This was, if I uh, am correct, this was your third unpub. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, it's my third one. And th- um, in this one, you uh, actually went really more as a playtester than than a uh, designer, and and so you were just kind of going around and and trying to help playtest and and being, uh, you know, trying to break people's games. Um, yeah. Yeah, this year I didn't feel like the game that I was working on was quite ready, so I thought I would go and try to test and break other people's games and also you know meet some people that I communicate with through Twitter, just sort of put a face to, to the Twitter address. So it was, it was a good time. I kind of enjoyed the less stressful approach to Unpub this year. So. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is very true. Uh, definitely less uh, stressful from that uh, vantage point. So tell us a little bit about your experiences as a playtester because I do not have you know your viewpoint here i've always gone as a designer and i've always had a table so yeah mostly i took a look i was trying to it was an ad hoc uh, approach for me i didn't sit down and make out you know detailed notes of exactly who i was gonna try to play test i had some people that i wanted to try to get into games on but mostly i wandered around to see at the time at least on saturday you know it, it, this, it didn't feel as packed or as chaotic as it did last year in the in the convention center, I think the the bigger space made it feel a little smoother. So I was wa- wandering around just looking for open games, and then if I saw one, I just sit down and try to play test. Even still, I didn't play nearly as many as I thought I was going to. I spent probably more time. I would run into someone and start talking, and then time just completely got away from me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So one of the I, I played. I was just doing a count. I only played eight or nine games, actually. <laughs> only. Yeah. So that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it felt like it was a little light. Nah. Given, I mean, all, given all the games that were there, you know, you walk walk around, it was just like what a hundred designers were there, something there like that. Uh, I forget how many tables there were. Uh, I think it was. I think it was something like a hundred and ten designers. But then because of the tag tables, um, yeah, I think there were. 30 tag tables, something like that. So they weren't all, you know, not not all 100 
whatever had a table at the same time. Uh, maybe like 80 tables or something like that. I can't recall the uh, the exact numbers. I think Unpub will release them um, at some point like they did yeah. for uh, Unpub 5. Yeah, it's a, overall, I was just thinking about the way things seemed to flow this year, and it, it felt like definitely the Unpub crew had smoothed out some of the rough patches from last year. I really like how they handled the raffles this year. In the past, you know, they had this, they would stop everything and then um, call out the names, but with the sort of push notifications through the Unpub app, I thought that was really sweet if people had the app anyway. Right, right. Yeah, they still had to do a quick announcement, which was a very brief interruption, but it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. too bad. It yeah. didn't seem to really hinder playtesting like it has in past years. Right, yeah. And so I think they got a, a good kind of uh, you know best of both worlds there. You, know, you can push it out via push notification and you know just do a real super quick announcement that was literally like you know, 20 seconds, and that wasn't too much of a, an, an interruption. Uh, is there anything you saw as a playtester uh, that you would like to see improved for next year? You know, from, from my standpoint as a playtester, things seem to, and this could be since I, I've been to two others besides this one, so I kind of knew what the deal was. So as far as that goes, I think everything made made sense I didn't have any questions. The app made thing, made filling out feedback forms really easy for me. So I would, you know, as soon as I finished the play test, before I moved on to another game, and you know, we would do a little debrief at the table sometimes, depending on what the uh, designer needed, um, and just go ahead and fill out my form before moving on. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. Don't really have any complaints from that angle. That's good. So your only suggestion would be that uh, you would you would win uh, one of the uh, door prizes then. That would have helped. Um, would have made my experience even better. Twenty <laughs> percent better because you won. Yeah. So at the end, at the end of it, though, I did I did pick up a copy of uh, Tessin and, and got Suzanne Zinsley sign it for me. Oh, I couldn't cool. get Chris to do it because he was in the middle of a play test and I wasn't going to interrupt him. So. Oh no, that's where you go up and be like, uh, "Hey, hey, hey, famous designer, sign your game." And yeah. then you know you get to you get to big league them a little bit, and then they yeah, you know, and then we don't mind because that's it's like oh I get to sign something that's awesome, yeah. and then the playtesters that are there are like whoa this guy's you know, they've got a published game and they're they're they've got you know, groupies that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Chris would not have minded if you would no, have uh, not. yeah done that <laughs> all right was there any game that you play tested that you were particularly impressed with well there were two one of which was by Nick Ferris his Park Runners game that was one of the actually it was the first one I play tested on Saturday and so I hit that one you know extremely fresh as far as my my brain was concerned that was good because it was a it was a two hour hour and a half to two hour play test so it took up a big chunk of time but it was it was really interesting in that the game was split into like two two games going on at once where on one side you had a couple players who were building an amusement parks competing and building amusement parks while the players on the other side of the table were managing a family of kids and Grand, you know, grandparents and whatever who wanted to go to these amusement parks. So it was that balance back and forth of creating the rides that would fulfill the needs for the families on the other side. And I just thought it was a, an interesting twist on that. It turned out to be it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how that progresses over time. Hopefully he'll bring it back next year and get to see how it how it's moved forward. And then the second one, it's really close. It's the, uh, the Fate of the Elder Gods that 
Daryl and Richard Lanius have been working on. So I got a chance to play that with with Richard. Ruth was in it, and then another guy. I, I didn't catch his name, but it was really that one's really close. So there wasn't a lot of feedback to provide other than to say, "Yeah, you're probably at the tu- you're at the tuning stage, and you know that." <laughs> right. Yeah, they they were doing a lot of um, you know testing final art as well uh, in yeah. that one, and making sure things were were clear, and they had they had a you know really good UX in the game. Yeah. When you were uh, playtesting other designers' games, did you uh, see any examples of how a designer was interacting with playtesters or questions that they were asking that you thought was was like a really good idea? And, and now you're gonna you know try to uh, incorporate yourself. Uh, most of them, they were good listeners. They asked some questions. They tried to. Um, I didn't have anyone particularly didn't give specific directions on what they were looking for in their feedback. So it seemed like they were open to most things. And then later on, towards the end of it, after playtesters had a chance to talk to say their piece, then they would ask prompting questions if they weren't getting everything they needed. So just in general, uh, I don't remember any one specific thing that I was said, oh, I'm going to steal that idea. Hmm. But it did remind me that when I'm doing my play tests to make sure that the play testers know, like, what stage do I think this game is? And to kind of help to guide where their feedback goes. Awesome. Very good. And uh, anything else you want to mention about your uh, Unpub 6 experience? I will say props for the designer break room. That was oh, yeah. an awesome idea this year. Being able to check bags and get them out of the way and not have to worry about them was was uh, brilliant. <laughs> that was really yeah. nice. And that was uh, an excellent idea uh, to have. Uh, and hopefully they will have that again for Unpub 7. All right. Very good. Well, thanks very much, Burke. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on again. All right, next up we have Victoria Earl. Hey, Victoria. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, very well. So tell me, how was your Unpub 6 experience? It was up and down. It was okay. I, um, I think I went in with really high expectations of how it was going to go. And then it didn't quite meet those expectations. And there's been a lot of other stress in my life. You know that I'm going to be traveling soon. And I traveled the weekend before, too. And that was just really rough. So all things considered, it went pretty well. Well, that's good. Yeah. And I, I know that in the group, you know, we talk about Unpub in, I guess I would say, like, revered language, you know. And, and perhaps we oversold it a little bit, uh, which and if, if we did, that's that's totally my fault because I'm the main culprit there. Um, but but it, I'm glad at least it was uh, a net positive uh, for you. So why don't you talk about uh, the games that you brought and kind of how they were received because you did something a little different than I think most uh, designers do. And this would be really interesting to uh, talk about. Yeah, everyone tells me they're really impressed with it. Um, I... Uh... <laughs> And I say that in this awful, humble brag way, but like it's 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 mind boggling that everyone's like, Oh, that's so brave. I'm like, I don't get it. Um I brought Sweet Success and Sweet Success is at the stage where it's the things I have to fix is scoring is still like screwed up and the rules. I have to make the rules good enough that I can throw them at someone and that someone can play the game. Um so I did pl- blind pay- play testing. I sat at the table and I handed the people the rules and I was like, Read this 
and then play the game. And I'm just there for questions or clarifications. Um, or in one case, I had rewritten the rules that on Sunday morning. And like I had taken out a sentence to rewrite it and then left it like that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I was there for that sort of thing. And besides that, I just left them to it. I also brought Bigfoot Bokeh. And I think this was the biggest disappointment of the weekend because Bigfoot Bokeh was my short game that I was really excited about. And it was too broken. And mm. I never, I got you to, to say that you would look at it and then like, I had to go to bed before you had a chance to, and I just never got it fixed. Um, so I didn't have a fallback, and sweet success is 60 to 90 minutes. And, you know, like we talked about in the group, that chases people away, and that was especially bad on Sunday, where I got half a playtest on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was me, like, sitting my friends down and forcing them to play, and that was a terrible idea, by the way. Don't ever do that. If your friends are not going to be interested, I didn't realize this, but, like, they were not up to a 60 to 90 minute game, and it showed... <laughs> Did you have a a tag table or did you have a full table? I had a tag table, okay. but um, because Burke wasn't using his table and James had an extra table, I ended up just camping next to James ah. on his empty table and, and playing there. I did use my tag table for the um, first half of Saturday, but moving was such a pain, was such a pain in the neck that I just stayed at James's extra table. I gotcha. Yeah, it's so interesting that you know it's how people's experiences can be very different just based on like what game they bring and like where they were located. So uh, in the uh, the hall, and there's a shame you only got you know half that test, and it was probably less than useful because you know it was your buddies who weren't super into it. We'll have to try to brainstorm for next year uh, if you're able to go next year about some contingency plans uh, that we could do if something like that happens. I'm sure. We can throw up a uh, some kind of signal, you know, and and get try to get you know people over there, right? And, and a G-donk signal, yeah, something, yeah, like yeah. a bat signal, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that would be nice because Sunday, and again, like a lot of the stuff that was bad about Unpub was my fault, and that's one of the things that's demoralizing, I guess, because I'm like, oh man, I I screwed this up, and I screwed that up, and I screwed all this really simple stuff up. But like, um, Sweet Success was not a game I could play one round of because I was testing how the scoring worked and how the set collection worked, and you had to play the whole game for that. But I probably should have, like, when it became clear on Sunday that nobody cared about a 60-minute long game, I probably should have just taken down that sign, scribbled it out, and, like, played one round to do the blind rules reading. Well, don't beat yourself up too much because this is your first but I'm year. But so, I'm so good at it, though. Well, well <laughs> we, we're all good at beating ourselves up. But I mean, no, but seriously, you know, it's your first year. You had a fairly good idea of what to expect just from, you know, talking with everyone. But it's no, you know, substitute for actually going and being immersed and actually going through the event. And now that you are on the other side, you'll have a much better idea of you know how exactly how it runs. And again, if you're able to go next year, uh, you'll you will have a, a much better plan and uh, even potentially mentally just have a better expectation of you know how things are going to go. And I think most people they have like a first like the first on pub always goes a little rough just because again you know you're learning. It's the first time, and you know you got to ride the bike, and sometimes you fall, and other times uh, you, you know, hit a parked car, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but yeah, so it was fascinating to me that you did blind play testing, had people read the rules, and that it was 
it sounded like it was largely successful, that people were willing to do it. And uh, it sounded like you got a lot of good feedback out of out of that process and were able to improve your rules as Unpub was going on. So I, th- I think that's awesome. And you're the only person I'm aware of that has tried to do that. So if, if someone's listening and you want to try to do blind playtesting at Unpub, it's definitely possible. I will I will put in a caveat though that I had been doing like really close blind play tests where like this was not the first draft of the rules I blind play tested this was like the second or third draft I had gone to proto day and made you guys do that like I made you guys go through the rules while I had my laptop open editing them <laughs> yeah. um, while I was doing it. so so these rules had already been worked over before I just threw them at strangers um, but yeah the first the very first play test I had on Saturday which Again, it was a bit disappointing. It was like noon before someone like walked up. I think it was noon or one o'clock, but it was pretty late in the day. That was the only one where I was a little worried because they it was two people who didn't know each other, and so they both read the rules to themselves silently. Uh, <laughs> but everyone else, like I don't know how I, I must have pitched it right magically somehow. But like everyone else, like they had a rules reader in their group, and that person took the rules and read it out loud all of it to everyone and um they did really well like there would be um questions during the game like well how did this work again and the the rules reader would either know because they had read it themselves instead of been listening in like a crowded noisy environment mm-hmm. or they would be like hold on let me check and they'd find it and then be like it goes like this and i'm pretty sure that means this way and i don't think there was ever a case where someone got it wrong good good yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's right there. That's 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 awesome, and that you should feel really good about about the outcome there. I will try yeah. to feel really good. About that. <laughs> I, um, it, but on Sunday, um, I got up from the table because two people I knew from Magfest were there, and we were working on something with Unpub with Magfest, and so I was distracted. I was not at my table hawking it, and so I got nothing. That's one of the reasons I got nothing is because I was not actively there trying to pull people in. I got what I wanted um, from from the Magfest side of things, but then that was conflicting with my um, playtesting. So, uh, did you have any particularly like really good feedback, right? Any kind of insightful comments from playtesters? There was no like eureka, like magical feedback from playtesters, but they did tell me what I needed to know, right? So, so I did know that the scoring was messed up, and um, I actually had one particularly uh, useful playtest where. They did set collection completely right. Like, it was the most set collecting that had ever happened in that game. Hmm. Um, and the person who did the most set collection lost. And she explained to me that, like, hey, I saw this. She, you know, she saw it as a set collection game. And she did that um, at the expense of the participation points. But the participation points is actually, like, a really solid path to victory. So and that made me realize that was that was very useful because that made me realize, like, you know this this end game point thing I put in that I haven't thought too much about is actually kind of antithetical to like the main way to get points, and they're they're kind of at cross purposes a little bit. So I needed to de-emphasize this set collection, if not replace it. Yeah, I mean, right there, that's super valuable, and and uh, who knows how long it would have taken you to you know to get that kind of feedback without uh, seeing uh, people play it a whole bunch of times and having that one playtester try that strategy and and. Uh, you know, see how it uh, shook out. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did you have an opportunity to play anyone else's games while you were up there? I did on Sunday because I wasn't at my table. I was like showing my friends around. Um, I uh, played the table behind us, Halfling Harvest. Uh, that was nice and quick. And I think they were looking it up, and like that that game is already 
available like print on demand. I oh, think. really? I, oh. Yeah, I, I, they, I don't know. My friend was like, look, it's, you can buy it right now. And he showed me a web page. That's hmm. all I remember. Um, and then the, the Sherlock Holmes mystery rummy. The last question I have is, do you have any feedback for anyone who might uh, attend Unpub in the future, uh, either designer or playtester? This is a tough one because, like, most of the things I messed up are really simple things I messed up because I've been kind of harried lately and stressed out or things that were, like, really, you know, specific to me. Like, I couldn't stay up late enough uh, last weekend, and that was frustrating because normally I can stay up, you know, it's it's past 10 right now. But last weekend, uh, I was at a point in my sleep schedule where I was crashing at 9.30. Um, so don't crash at 9.30. Like, that's not useful advice. <laughs> that's not helpful. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's I always struggle with advice like, you know, be more outgoing and, and you know, make sure to introduce yourself to people because I struggle a lot with that. And um, it's it's not that useful if someone's like, just do it. Like, no, that's not – because because it, it goes against contrary to you know how you normally operate and it's just yeah it's right. like it's, it's like like telling someone well why don't you just breathe underwater just, just <laughs> a do little it bit. just right? do it yeah. yeah I did uh, throw my business card at someone and um, literally yes no <laughs> I, I gave him my business card and um, and that worked out so uh, having your business cards on person you know that's pretty cool. And some people did like the thing I did where I put the event's name on the business card uh, so they could remember where I'm from. But as for actual useful advice, uh, I guess the only one I have is that uh, when we played that mystery rummy game, uh, one of the friends I was with uh, had feedback that was accurate and true but could not actually be done like you can't actually do anything about it. Um, And the person who was demoing the game kind of explained like hey it's true but you know i can't do anything about it and i didn't perceive this at the time but he later told me that he felt like he was being shot down your your friend was mm-hmm. yeah okay that's how he felt and like i didn't i would not have guessed that based on like the interaction that happened because i don't think she was trying to do that at all hmm. but uh be careful if if your play tester like gives you feedback that you literally like it just, just doesn't apply you don't have have to tell them that right like i don't know um it's very easy to jump to like oh you know especially if you're used to talking to other designers or publishers who have a bigger picture kind of thing um you have you may have a playtester who just doesn't play a lot of board games or card games you don't necessarily have to explain to them why you can't do the thing they they suggested but that's also very standard advice so i don't have any good advice no it's i i think that's good no i think it's really good because you're, you're right we we tend to uh, interact a lot with publishers and other designers and and regular playtesters as well. But we kind of do get into that mode where we want to explain why that's not going to solve a problem or why it may not solve the problem they think it's going to solve. And you're right that a playtester may not care or or they uh, they may care, but they may not just quite understand just because they're not coming from you know the same lens so i think that's that's a really good point to keep in mind especially like you said at uh, at umpub where you have no idea what the background of the playtester is and yeah just write it down and thank them and and you know don't uh gamesplain uh to them uh you know what's what's going on um yeah that's that's a, a great thing to to keep in mind anything else you want to uh, add about umpub six 
Yeah, since I, I feel like I'm being kind of a downer about everything because, you know, everything, it was kind of, I, I had a lot of trouble with, with the, um, with the con in general. Um, but I did want to talk about two really cool experiences I had. One was a family, um, parents and their two, like, 10 to 13 year old boys, uh, who sat down and, uh, picked up the rules, read, them, read them, understood everything super well. Uh, the boys trashed the game because their mom was uh, in first place, uh, <laughs> which is, I think, I'm still deciding, trying to decide if like that's correct that you could do that because the person in first place is now like incentivized to keep the game going, but if you have a four-player game or more, then they're like vastly up- outnumbered, uh, so that can be tough. But it was still pretty fun. So and then they um they told me that they were looking for people from North Carolina. Like they had come from James's table and that they were like looking for the other designs. I'm like, "Oh, that's really cool." And then the other one was I was that's right. I was looking at the game crafters table and I was just picking up all the really tiny cards because they're amazing and itty bitty. <laughs> and some guy next to me like started up a conversation and like he knew the podcast. He had heard me on the latest episode where we had talked about accessibility and he was like, Oh, you know, those things you said were really cool. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, um, that stuff I made up on the spot. Cool. I'm glad you, <laughs> glad you like it. Don't admit that. Come on. Now. <laughs> you had a plan from the beginning. <laughs> no, I, I never have a plan. And it was just really surreal, surreal and kind of cool to have, like have someone I, who is not directly related to the group who's like I listen to your podcast and I like it uh, so that's why I threw him at your table because he wanted a short game he was leaving shortly thereafter and so I was like Matt has a game you should go play his do you recall that person's name no he probably follows me on Twitter now maybe I don't know mm-hmm. I told people like I had my um, Twitter handle on my business card and I told people to follow it if they wanted garbage because uh, I don't post anything good or insightful <laughs> <laughs> my Twitter account is not that great well, uh, so so presumably that person is listening to this episode as well, hopefully. <laughs> so if you are a mystery listener, tweet at the group account at GD of NC. Because uh, obviously I met you and I'm curious who, uh, who ended up playing the game uh, before they had to leave on Sunday. I think I have an idea who it is. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think that was Saturday, actually. Oh, Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Well, if it's either day, I, I think I have a pretty good idea of, uh, of who it was. But, yeah, I'm definitely curious. Very cool. All right, Victoria. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And next up we have Graham Russell. Hey, Graham. Hey, how's it going? Let's. Uh, so this was your first time at the Maine Unpub Convention, correct? It was, yeah. And so, how was your your uh, <laughs> your first time here? It was interesting, you know. You know, I'd done a couple of minis, uh, so I, you know, was familiar with sort of the process of showing at something like this. But the crowd is kind of a very different crowd. Different? How? How? What would you say? It's sort of. You know, two crowds together at this unpub, neither of which really line up with a mini crowd. Uh, when you have a mini, you sort of have these enthusiasts who hear about the event. So they have at least some engagement with the community, but also they're not experts. Anyone that's kind of an expert is kind of already in the guild showing off their thing, right? At unpub, you have 
both these expert kind of people, the people who are so dedicated that they'll travel there or they're showing their own game or that sort of thing. And you have kind of just public who've heard about it and in a way that you don't get with a mini where, you know, oh, I'm just in downtown Baltimore. What's going on this weekend? Oh, this. You know, it's like, oh, there's a street fair. Oh, there's this thing. We even had some people from some of the other events, you know, kind of wander in. And that was a, a different sort of feel, but it was nice because... Both of those groups together are kind of the extremes that you need to test your game. You need it to be totally accessible to, to you know normal people off the street, but also the best like sort of fire to test your game in are these sort of dedicated you know crazy designer tester types. Right, you, you know, you you put into words what I guess in, was in the back of my mind, but I hadn't really uh, articulated. But yeah, you're right. You really do have those two groups. You have you know people that. Are, are very hardcore and you have people that are much more casual and it is interesting uh, to get feedback from from both especially you know at the uh, pretty much at the same time yeah like i had big six player games right and at the same table you'd have oh i'm just taking a break from showing my game to wander over and then you know some guy who comes in like wearing like a raven's cap sideways is like yeah i don't know <laughs> Uh, I just walked by and there was uh, was this thing. What are games? I don't know. I draw a card. What does that mean? I had to escape from the uh, cheerleaders, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we even had some cheerleaders wander in, which was an interesting thing. Did, Uh, Did you? I didn't notice any coming in. Yeah, I mean, no one sat down at my table specifically, but you, you could see them walking in like, well, we got an hour. Uh, what's going on? Hmm. So that was that was interesting. So what uh, designs did you bring to Unpub? So I focused my show on party politics, which I've talked about a few times on this podcast. Uh, but that's just because I've been working on it almost nonstop for a year and a half. I showed it off for the first time to the public at Unpub Mini Durham last year. And I, at this point, I, I think it's ready. This was sort of my test to see, you know, uh, is there anything else I have to do to this game or will it stand up to this sort of testing? And it, it stood up pretty well. Yeah. Excellent. Did you have any particular feedback that really kind of stood out that, uh, you want to share? You know, it's interesting because more than like, I need to change this or that. It was like, Hey, here's a thing people said about my game that I should definitely use in my sell sheets. Um, <laughs> Like, I have a political game that somehow manages not to politicize issues, uh, which is true. I'm trying to avoid that kind of thing. But it's, it's a game with that theme that also doesn't have the problem of being that topic of, you know, people don't talk politics with their family because it gets heated. This isn't that, right? It has that theme, but also if you have a disagreement about politics, that's not going to be a problem for playing the game. Right, yeah. It, it's a, it's like the most apolitical politi- political game, you know, that you can uh, you can play. We've never had, like, you know, an argument break out over <laughs> you know, anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so now, you you know, you're on the other side of the event. Is there anything that you would do differently for, uh, for next year? Uh, well, aside from some accommodation differences I might make so I can... Uh, get a good night's sleep and not spend some hours yelling at hotel staff. You know, I think the one thing I really wanted to do that I didn't get to do was test a lot of other things. I I got to play test two other people's games. I found some free moments and did it. And of course, one of them was a guild game. It was the Shadow State, which I haven't gotten to play yet until then. And I mean, that game's great. But it's it's one of those things where I really would love to have tried, you know, the other 80 games in the room, right? Right, um, totally. But as far yeah. as showing the game, I, you know, it went really well. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I wish I could have gotten in front of a couple more publishers, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's sometimes if you know the publishers that are going, you can kind of ping them before the, you know, unpub and say, hey, you know, I think I have something that you'd be interested in. Try to stop by my table. But yeah, that can, that can be a little bit more difficult at uh, at unpub without, yeah. you know, arranging it uh, ahead of time. So other than the Shadow State, what what uh, else were you able to play? I, I caught like a couple minutes of bees. <laughs> <laughs> it was at a table next to mine. And that, you know, that was one of those games that really kind of took off as the show went on you could see n- not not everyone was around for your real-time dice game at the beginning of saturday but you know as sunday as things were wrapping up there was there were crowds around that table you know it was a half-empty room at that point it was a late saturday afternoon people were heading out but yet they couldn't leave without playing bees it's the name yeah <laughs> i mean i'm trying to hold hold it out as long as the number of ease suggests i don't know how long that is but i'm giving it my best if someone is thinking about going to unpub and they haven't been before and you know they might be a designer or a play tester or, or whatever what's uh, some advice you might give them the two things you need to do one i think i did pretty well and one i wish i could have done a little better one is to make sure you have your rules routine down as well as you can i, I think the amount of time it takes to explain something can really be a problem in uh, an environment where they're learning a game every 45 minutes to an hour. You know, they're moving here trying to absorb these rules, moving here trying to absorb these rules. It's a lot to take in all at once. And so the easier you can make that on your players, the better. Totally agree. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I would say is if you have a larger player count, and I think, you know, I have a large player count with my game, and I was talking to people with some smaller player counts. They kind of wanted more people, so having a wide range is good. But making it easier on yourself to indicate to the room that you need more players at your table is helpful that is a good point because you have uh is it four or six is, is the minimum so it's a four to eight player game four to eight. Uh, i was trying yeah. to get in six because i really think that six is you know the best uh, way to learn how to play the game there, there's certainly a lot of strategy with a four player game i think it works well there but it's better when people kind of already know what they're doing and there's more advanced strategy there but for the base level it really uh shows itself better with six so i i tried to get that for everyone and there usually weren't groups of six people wandering around looking for a game i did catch all of them but (laughs) but you know uh it's not a normal occurrence you caught more than me i I don't i think i uh no i I don't think i had any groups of six Uh, i think i had one group of five that might have been the highest uh, for for split the loot but yeah i I had uh, a couple times uh, look you know stand up look around see who was just milling about and you know walk over and be like hey you come play a game (laughs) <laughs> and really, it's good to just get the ball rolling. Right. I had some issues earlier in the day because it's like, oh, here's this large group game about politics. That it's when you hear that, it may not advertise itself quite as well, you know, if you don't know what's going on. But as soon as I could get a group down at the table, people walked by and saw this sort of, you know, th- these deceptive glances, and you know, people were having fun playing the game, which I think is great. And once you get that, then people can see what's happening, and they'll stop, and you can have a couple people, and that works really well. It's just kind of getting your table populated to begin with, so it doesn't look like oh, everyone's passing on this game. It can be a bit of a challenge. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think when, like you said, with B, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 table presence and. Like the, you know, having a crowd and, you know, a crowd attracts a crowd. And, you yeah. know, if people see that they're having fun with, with, uh, the game, they're like, oh, well, this, wow, this, what's, 
what's all the buzz going on? You know, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, I love puns. I am. Oh, I'm, we're very aware. Bring them on. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I think that that is really helpful to kind of you know, get that uh, social group knowledge going on and and uh, to get more people to, c- to check out the game later. So we we have a couple of questions from Twitter. Uh, let's Great. see if we can uh, get some some answers here. Uh, so our buddy Ruth asked, uh, what are some good and bad uh, playtester attributes? And uh, related to that, do you have any advice for people who uh, are going to be playtesting at Unpub? You know, I think what I was saying about learning the rules is kind of difficult. I think the roughest time I had with playtesting, and you know, this isn't a knock on certain people, but you know, if you're having to explain the rules over and over again to one person in a, a six-person group, it's kind of rough. Do your best to you know really listen during the rules explanation. Generally, if you show up and have you know your rules down and can explain them about as well as as you can, yeah, there'll be questions later, but it kind of holds up the process for other people at the table if you didn't hear what was happening before. But, you know, I think if you're the kind of person who listens to this podcast, you probably are on board with that. But maybe just the mindset of, okay, I'm sitting down, and for the next couple minutes, I'm going to totally lock in to what's going on. You know, if the game loses my interest later, fine. You know, it's a long day. If you're going to, you know, check your phone or see where people are, do that for a second. And don't let the game start until you're really there. But some of the best playtesters I had uh, were the ones who kind of came by as a game was going on. You know, in, in the later rounds of the game, I didn't need to explain the rules anymore, so I could talk to people who came up. And they kind of scoped out what was going on in the game. Sure, they were interested, but also they kind of had a sense of how to play the game already. That's not a normal skill you have, just playing games on your own, because you generally aren't you know, jumping into a gauntlet of this game being played over and over again with different people. That's not, you know, normal, you're hanging out with your buddies thing to do. But I think that can be really helpful, especially if you can have a good sense of the rules to get everyone in. I I guess I'm talking about learning the rules, but it's one of those things. You usually aren't playing a game where no one knows what the rules are in it. That might happen once or twice, but generally if you're playing a game, it's it's someone's second or third time, right? And I think that really lets you judge what the game is rather than say, oh, it's loud and I couldn't hear what was said. You know, that sort of thing. The other question we have from Twitter here is uh, from friend of the show, uh, Ben Beagle. His question is, how do you react when something obviously isn't working and you still have an entire day of playtesting to go? So that's that's difficult. I, I was thankful you know, that I didn't have that happen at this big unpub. I've definitely had that sort of stuff before at a mini, and it's important to see how people play the rest of it. There's value in testing everything else. There's also value in seeing how it breaks. You know, if you see something that isn't working, just knowing it isn't working isn't all the data you can get from that. You can see what that affects. You know, why is it leading to that? You have time to really dig deep into that. This feels similar to me to a point that Eric Lang made uh, on Designer Day when you know people were interpreting the rules wrong and you see you know okay they did it 
but correcting this right now isn't the best thing because I want to see why they did that and you know what that leads to because that's the natural thing, I guess. And it, it's something like an upload, if it really is like, oh, this card's wording is messed up. Uh, I had a couple of those things where it's like, okay, people people really aren't understanding the particular wording of this weird thing. That's the kind of thing where you change it on the fly. That's what an unpub is for, right? right. Definitely have a way to mark things up. But if it's a big like, okay, your game is broken, we, we've had a couple people who really thought that and just sort of pulled their game. And I feel really sad when that happens. One, because, you know, I think that's part of the process. I think, you know, really seeing it break is educational. But people kind of throw everything out. And I think with a, a day as busy as Unpub, you really kind of need time. You know, it's been a couple of days when we're recording this since Unpub, but I'm not ready to, you know, fully lock down things that are and aren't working. You really need a lot of time to process that. And you certainly can't do it you know, in the like five minutes you're at Unpub, you should, if it's a small text thing, if it's obvious, that sort of stuff, fix it. Absolutely. If it's like, this isn't working the way I want, I hesitate to, you know, kind of do battlefield medicine on it. Yeah, I do think it depends on the, uh, on the designer. I'm sure some people are a little bit, you know, better uh, at doing that kind of thing, but, but you're right. You don't necessarily need to throw it out right away. It might, it might turn out that it was just, one playtest that did something really weird and no one else hits it and that's a very different situation from everyone is hitting it right and a rare problem is not not a problem you, just, you need to do something about it one thing that for example that i did at the umpo mini last year i didn't have to do it this year but i was prepared when a card broke when like, okay, this one thing is not working in a way that's really not, you know, going to be solved right now. I had some replacement cards uh, with like no effects, you know, like, okay, this will work. Here it is. Keep going. We can make sure the rest of this is intact. Stop the bleeding. But let's not try to fix this one thing on the spot and kind of give me time to do that the right way. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really smart to have, you know, extra blank components, uh, you know, if it's like a card right. game, for example, and just to, so you can do that, that put the, the tourniquet on, uh, <laughs> you know, that part. One one thing that yeah. I did, um, I, I had something that wasn't working right in Tsunami at Yeti Beach, and I just told playtesters uh, right up front as I was explaining the rules, it's like, okay, this thing right here, this thing is stupid. I know it. Uh, we're just going to use it as it is because i don't have anything better but you know i it's already it's going to change at some point don't worry about it and yeah that was that just you know immediately cut off any any issues with you know that particular part of the game and it let the the playtesters know that it hey it's okay to you know you know point out things that aren't working and you know it's it's fine to um, yeah, you know, to to realize that this is something that is not done. Um, so so in that particular case, you know, I I just I just straight out pointed it out, and it was it was fine. And so that could be you know something a way to deal with this uh, for for designers. You know, again, it just kind of you know depends on the situation. Right. I guess I'd hesitate to do that for two reasons. One, because I think once you leave something in place but tell people it's broken, then you know, what if it isn't totally broken? What if there are ways that it doesn't go bad? Then you've kind of colored that playtest to be like, okay, you won't be able to tell whether this is fixed because you're just going on my assumption. And I hesitate a little with that. The second is related to my increasingly emphasized rules issue that I find the two things you can do to most confuse a playtester are to tell them 
a rule and then tell them that the rule doesn't work or to tell them the rule and that it has changed from some previous version of the game that they don't know. That's more of like a postmortem talk, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. In this particular case, it wasn't yeah. that something was broken. It was just that something was just outright dumb, you know? Okay. So, so it, I mean, it was working. It was fine. But it was just more like, you know, telling the playtesters, you know, just don't even worry about like providing feedback about this little piece. <laughs> Because it's, it's like it, I know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's just that's fair. It's just dumb. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it and and it was um. <laughs> and actually, I mean, it, that seemed to put some people at ease in a weird way because they're just like, oh, that's that's kind of funny, you know. This yeah. designer's telling me to that this game is <laughs> is rough and <laughs> and not you know not ready for prime time, which is a hundred percent the truth because it 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 was not and it still is not, but hopefully will be uh, in a couple <laughs> months. Yeah, and I think. That is a better solution than, say, trying to come up with the perfect solution to that problem on the spot. Right. Is at the very least saying, okay, this is this is not great. I'm going to fix it later. Let's test the rest of this. Exactly. Yep. That's, yep. yeah. All right. Very good. Well, thanks, Graham. And hopefully you'll be able to make it next year as well. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And next up, we have Mark McGee. Hey, Mark. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, so Mark, <laughs> this was hey. your second uh, time at Unpub. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I went last year, and this year was my second time. Yep. And how was your Unpub Six experience? I liked it. I thought it was very useful and very good, and I enjoyed my time there. Um, I think a lot of that was because I I improved upon how I could kind of treat it as a as a weekend, um, just from my experience that I had last year. Yeah, just the experience from going there last year kind of really played into my ability to have a more effective Unpub this year. So so what are some things, like lessons you took from Unpub 5 that you applied for Unpub 6? Yeah, so for me at least, my, my favorite part about it and the part that I think is most useful for my designs is um, that designer day that actually happens before the public comes out there. I know they have like presentations and panels and speakers and stuff that are going on in one part of the room, but what I did this time is I, I tried to play games with designers because designers, at least the ones that I interact with, are people who who have more experience kind of analyzing and breaking down games to kind of very clearly communicate the things that they like about games and the things that they feel don't work. When talking with people who have less experience doing that, a lot of times it takes more effort to kind of figure out what they're trying to say but may not be saying extremely precisely. But designers who have who do that all the time, you know, more concentrated and more pointed feedback, which which is really useful for me. And that's that's the stuff that I really like. So that's actually my favorite part of the Unpub experience. So last year on Designer Day, you, you didn't really do that too much. You you were like uh, watching the panels instead, right? Yeah, I was I was listening to the panels a lot, and the, yeah, I had heard that other people had been playing other designers' games. And I was like, hey, you know what? That probably would have been cool because I mean the panels were interesting and fine, but I'd gone to Unpub specifically so I could get my games better. And so I think that's a more effective tool for me to improve my games is playing with other designers more so than listening to uh, panels from other designers. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I know there were a lot of people that were over in the other room doing playtesting on uh, Designer Day. I, I actually uh, was in the main room, and last year I did the opposite. I, last year I was in the other room playtesting, and this year I was in the main room doing the panels or, or like mostly paying attention to them. I was playing around with a, with a prototype at the same time when I was trying to... To, uh, okay. design last minute and but it was but it was 
it was interesting. This year it was mainly because I wanted to uh, see the talk with the industry talk and, and the talk with Rob Davio and Eric Lang and to just, you know, see what wisdom they would have. And they were both really, really fascinating. Scott Gaeta from Renegade Games was on the industry panel. And I think that guy is, is really, really smart about uh, like how he runs his publishing house. And so I definitely wanted to you know, kind of pay attention to what he was saying. And I, I, so for me, it was just the particular people that they had this year. I was much more interested mm-hmm. in what they had to say versus last year. Uh, nothing against the people for Unpub 5. Uh, they had lots of good information as well. For my personal taste, it's a little bit more relevant for me this year. So I, you know, I did the uh, kind of the opposite of what uh, of what you did. Yeah, and it may also be just because of where where designers' games might be at the time that Unpub is in there. You know, I was still looking for kind of significant feedback and improvements. I, I was not at the point where my games were like, where I f- felt my games were just ready to go in the wide open for the public. I wanted to kind of get a little bit more honed in before before Saturday. Um, I'm sure that if I were to go at a time and I had games that that I felt were ready for the public, then maybe maybe I would do the thing a little bit differently. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. So since we're talking about playing games on either on Designer Day or at any point through the weekend, did you have an opportunity to play anyone else's games? I did. I actually got a uh, like a playtest kit. The game Blood of an Englishman was a game Dan Kazar maybe pronouncing his name incorrectly. He 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 gave me that <laughs> to play it and cuz we we had connected on pub and that was really nice. I haven't played the game at Unpub, but I got it from Unpub to play it later. I also played um the Lanterns expansion that was being demoed there. I played other than that I played either like published games after hours or oh you know what? <laughs> um on Saturday night we made up a game on the spot Dare or Dare unpub after dark or whatever it was called <laughs> where we just we just were looking for something that was going to be kind of rambunctious and obnoxious that we could play and like uh do silly things with so we made up a game where we just wrote down dares for other people to do i mean family friendly child appropriate dares of course and then then we kind of shuffled those up and and randomly distributed them and then when you got one of the dares um you had to do or you had to not do the dare and bluff and do something else you know, and then, then other people could kind of judge if you were doing the real dare or if you were bluffing a dare. And then you got stars based on how much people enjoyed what you did. Regardless, I mean, points didn't really matter. We were just trying to be a little bit silly. And it was a lot of fun. I think that's, that was dare or dare legacy, right? Something like that? Yeah, that that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just, that's just funny, you know, because, you know, putting legacy in there because that's actually like a, like a hot thing. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny that you mentioned like people coming up with a you know game on the spot because that happens way more than you might think. Yeah, I think if you just get people together who enjoy being creative and then just give them a reason to be creative, then then it makes sense that things just pop out of there that are at least in a silly sort of fun enjoyable things for creative people to do. <laughs> totally, yeah, and and that's the that's the key. It's such a a creative atmosphere that that is yeah, uh, available to everyone at Unpub, and it's just such a uh, such a fun uh, thing that happens. Yeah. So, did you get any type of like really interesting or insightful feedback uh, from playtesters? One of the things that was most telling, I guess. So, I played the the game that got the most positive reception there that I took was Galaxy Alpha Team Number One Go. 
I played that game several times and over the course of there, you know, the way w- when I'm playing that one and I'm asking for feedback, sometimes I ask more specific questions, but I always ask, you know, what is what is your favorite thing about the game? If there's something that makes sure I don't ever change that, you know, because it's kind of core to the thing you enjoyed about it. What is that thing about the game? And then I also ask, you know, if there's something that you know needs more effort or something that kind of brings the experience down, what is that thing? So I always ask for like the best thing and the worst thing for that game. What I found interesting was that everyone who played it, they, they at least said out loud they, they enjoyed it and they, they had fun playing it. And when I asked them, you know, what was their favorite thing about it, it seems like every group had something a little bit different that was their favorite thing. Hmm. And and from there, I, I, don't, I don't know if that means, you know, that it just has enough kind of breadth of experience that, that a lot of different types of people could enjoy it. Or if that means that there's not like one specific hook that stands out that's really cool. Like some people said the way that you upgrade your ships whenever you take damage is the cool thing. And some people said, you know, the way that the the enemy, you know, you know, he attacks if you don't have a, if you don't pull a combo together, it's like the cool thing. And then other people said, you know, just the way that, you know, the cards flip out and it's like a a big bad guy that actually the shape of the cards is the bad guy. And so just that kind of shapes the experience. And, and, you know, other things like, you know, the, the teamwork aspect of like the silly words that you put on the cards or something that was really fun. So all, all sorts of things people said was the best thing about it. It's interesting because I didn't know if that means that it was in a good place or in a not so good place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I don't know. That that's really interesting. That there was at, potentially at least like appeal to a lot of different people, you know. And yeah. it, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I want to say that's probably a good thing, right? That you know people can take things out of it and you know see different aspects that appeals to them. I I hope that you know that winds up that uh, is a good thing and not like that it means that there's no real core. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I think that kind of feedback is something that is really great about Unpub, where you can get so many different viewpoints, you know, at one place and very rapidly and potentially like make rapid changes. If you know, you're the type of designer that is comfortable doing that or just mm-hmm. to get lots of data points, you know, for, for future yeah. changes. Yeah, so that's that's well. That's I think it's really encouraging for that design. I know you've been playing around with that one for a while, so hopefully, uh, like this will this will uh, crystallize for you that it's uh, something that's you know working. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt good about it at Unpub. So that's well, that's all that really matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So other than playing games and uh, getting feedback, is there anything like? kind of advice wise that you would want to give to someone who maybe hasn't been to unpub before either as a designer or just a play tester that's going to be uh, going this is kind of what i told myself before i went the second time is that i wanted to i wanted to treat unpub almost like i wanted to work is kind of the wrong word but it's also kind of exactly the right word i wanted to like work the the weekend anytime that i'm not running a table i wanted to be at least meeting new people and you know um building friendships and relationships and being helpful to other people just so that the the network of people that i that i know that i can interact with and and that i could potentially be of benefit to or could potentially you know give me good connections in the future or whatever is grows and and gets more yeah just more broad i try to put a lot of effort into doing that this year which which I didn't do as much last year, but that's that's the advice that I gave myself, and I think that's the same advice that I would give 
give other designers who are going there because it's it's just a really great place for you to meet other designers or other industry people and especially designers that go to unpub are the designers who are trying to you know improve their craft and to get their games out there and those are the types of people who can help you improve your craft and help you get your games out there so in becoming friends with with other designers and getting to know people and and being helpful not only can you be a, a help to someone else but you can also improve yourself in the same way yeah and i think that was great yeah, I think that's that's really good. So basically, you know, uh, do the uh, the standard networking thing. You know, go and yes, yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And that's actually something I regret because I did not go introduce myself to uh, Eric Lang or Rob Davio. I, like I saw him walking around, and I just felt like, oh, you know, these guys they're so they're so they're here they're so busy, you know. And I should I should have just went up and just you know talked to him for three minutes. It would have mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a big deal. They you know they're they're both really nice people, um, and and I should have just done it. But yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, you know for some reason I felt like it would be bothersome, and that's not true at all. Uh, and people shouldn't feel that way. Oh, I, yeah, I was walking around. I just kind of introduced myself and just talked to them for just a second. But yeah, like you said, they were extremely busy because when you're a well known designer like that at a designers convention, right? Uh, then literally every five seconds, I'm sure they have somebody who wants to invite them to play a game or just to ask some questions. I, I suspect that it was nonstop. Hey, can you, you want to come play a game with me or, Hey, I just want to chat for a second. And you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can do about that. If, if, if they're busy, which they almost certainly are, then they don't always have time to do it, things with you. But I did speak with them at least briefly. They seem very nice and polite, politely busy doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> And that's fine. It's completely understandable. And I'm sure that if I were a well-known designer, I would also probably be politely busy because everyone would ask him. Maybe, maybe one day you will be. Yeah, they'll be, <laughs> people will be like, oh, man, that super mega alpha team Go 1000 game. I love that game. And, you know, the lesson there is at least just go introduce yourself and say hi. And, you know, yeah. that way maybe later on, you know, you can have some small talk with them or, you know, over like a drink or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. or you can be like, hey, you guys have dinner plans? Come on, you know, come with us. At least they you've introduced them at that point. And who knows? Maybe they don't have dinner plans and and they will. Uh, go with you and, and you'll get lots of, of nuggets of, of information. Yeah, a handful of us on, uh, I guess this was Sunday night, a handful of us went out to dinner uh, and Lonius was there coming out to dinner with us and so just having having dinner with some of the other guys from the Game Designers of Carolina group, uh, Kirkman was there too, and, and Lonius just, just <laughs> he, he's a funny guy, you don't always, you don't always get to see that side of, of you know maybe more well known people, but he's He's a funny guy. I enjoyed uh, hanging out with him. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Friday night I actually went out to dinner, and he was part of the group. Yeah, Richard, he he is a a very kind uh, person, and and he he does have uh, some wit <laughs> yeah. with him. So yeah, that's I, that's cool. I'm glad you guys got uh, you were able to you know get a dinner together and and uh, get some people uh, that are outside you know of our particular group and. Hopefully there was lots of lots of good conversation. Anything else you want to uh, mention about Unpub Six? Mostly, I'm just I'm just glad that that I went. I thought it was very very worth my while, and I um I think my my games and designs benefited a lot from it. And hopefully, I was able to also be a benefit to some other people while I was there and playing their games. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Mark. And next we have Drew Hicks. Hey, Drew. Hey, Matt. 
And so how was your Unpub 6 experience? All right, so that was uh, Unpub 6 was the first time I'd ever gone to uh, the main Unpub event. I've gone to some of the minis before, so I kind of thought I had an idea of what to expect, but it turns out that the Mothership Unpub event kind of plays out a little bit differently than the minis do, but it was still a really good time, and I kind of had to adapt on the fly to how things worked a little bit differently, and I think hopefully be a little bit better prepared next time for some of the, like, there's an overwhelming number of people at first, I think, more than I expected, and it's a little bit harder to gain attention than I was expecting. I think I know how to do a couple of things better for next time, so. So what is something that uh, you think you'll do differently next year? So one of the things that I accidentally did right first to kind of build myself up a little bit so I don't feel like uh, did too poorly um, was I brought two different games with two really different game lengths and sort of one that was simpler and one that was more uh, heavy. That way, when someone is interested in something at the table, you pretty much always have something that you can play with that group, a group of people that's come by. And that's important because unlike at some of the unpub minis, where there are people like kind of more focused, uh, like they look at the list of games and it's small enough to be manageable, and they're like, I want to go play that game, and they'll come over. I had a couple people do something like that, but more often it was more like people are wandering around, like boggling at the number of games that there are. Yeah. And looking at the list of games, stuff might pop out to them, but it's also just a huge, enormous list, right? Right. So having a couple things available for when someone comes by and shows interest in stuff at your table is definitely cool. Another piece of advice that probably someone before me mentioned that I'm definitely going to do next time and that worked out for me well on Sunday was when someone sits down or someone comes by your table, advising them that they you want to kind of pitch the game to them and explain how it works. And they don't have to play necessarily uh, if they're not interested, but you just kind of want to explain what you have and show off how it how it how it functions and what the cool things about it are. I think that's something that's really welcoming. A lot of the time people are walking around, they don't really know what to do, aren't sure if they want to play anything yet, don't want to commit, so that makes them a little bit more comfortable. And in addition, on Sunday, the for the first kind of half of it, I had a bunch of times where someone came by, was interested in the game, and they would come by kind of one at a time for a four player game. Uh four player game that takes ninety minutes. And I'd kind of explain it to them, and we kind of sit for a little bit, trying to wrangle some other people in, but they would take off to go play something shorter, and then immediately, obviously, someone else would show up. So I think getting people to sit down at the table for, you know, you're pitching the game, explaining it to them, might make your table look more active, and more people will be more likely to be like, hey, is the game starting up here? Can I jump in on that? Which is something that ended up happening a couple times uh, later on Sunday for me. Yeah, it's amazing how crowd attracts a crowd. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and like how much people just want to go somewhere where whoa, what's 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 going on over there? There's like a yeah. bunch of people, and yeah, and, and so how you manage to you know attract people to your table, and and how you manage even like a table presence. I think for this year was was for whatever reason I'm not quite sure why was even more important than it was in previous mm. pubs. And that, that was something that I did not expect, uh, even though this was my third Unpub. And it was, mm. it was something that uh, some people in the group experienced to degrees uh, more than I did, uh, just based on, I think, table location and just general, like, uh, what prototypes looked like and, and things like that. So, yeah, that that was really uh, a good lesson to learn. And I think all of us are going to sure. be uh, better uh, prepared for next year. 
I guess one caveat that I would have, though, to that advice is you want to make sure you don't look like you're busy with something. So another thing that I kind of made a mistake with on Saturday evening was I was making changes to my prototype and people didn't want to bother me, I think, at that time because I'm like writing on stuff when actually it would have been completely fine for people to come by uh, because I was working on components I wasn't necessarily ready to use. And then when I was explaining the game to people, I do worry that occasionally people may have come by and thought, okay, well, he's already in the middle of teaching this or something. I don't want to come by. So making sure that uh, I saw one of the tables across from me had a sign that indicated how many seats they had open for the current game. Mm. I think that's a really smart thing to do. So if you're talking with someone about the game, people don't think that your table is essentially closed you can say all right we actually have uh two more slots open two more seats open for anyone that wants to jump in on this game oh yeah that's that's a great uh, great idea there yeah i think uh to your point about like looking like you're not busy yeah. um, if you are you know doing things at your table and, and you're looking busy i think that's where it's really important that if you see someone walking by you just you just say hi to them you know like hey how's it going and you know, you know, let them know that it's okay to you know come to your table and, and at the very least just sure, you know chit chat sure. or something. Yeah. Did you have any like particularly good play tests or any particularly good uh, feedback that you got over the course of the event? Yeah, I had a lot of good feedback, but most of the feedback that I got was really awesome and actionable and able for me to kind of think about and do things with was verbal after the play tests compared to on the play test forms. I know that some mm. other people felt kind of the other way, that people were more likely to give negative feedback, not in person, uh, more likely to write something like that on the form, which I can understand like the psychology behind that. Mm-hmm. But most of the time after I completed a game, I think at the, one of the talks on Designer Day, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was uh, either Eric or Rob's advice, was to ask after a playtest what didn't work. Yeah, that was Eric. So I think that immediately gets people into a mindset where, like, okay, I'm not going to, like, devastate this person's feelings if I say, like, oh, this was actually really boring over here. Or I felt like I had no reason to do this. Like, they, if the very first thing you ask is such a blunt, okay, what was bad? I think that does kind of open up people. And so I ended up getting a lot of really good feedback on those kinds of things spoken. And I also just kind of tried to hang on to people for as long as they would let me ask them questions. And I ended up getting a lot of detail out of those things. And a couple of those people then went and put that detail into their playtest forms. But I know that a lot of people are anxious to play more games and maybe anxious to get their playtest things in before the raffle. So right, those right. playtest forms aren't as often as detailed as what I was able to get by just asking like pointed questions about what I wanted to pay attention to. Um, another thing was at, just at the beginning of the game, pointing out stuff that I kind of didn't want people to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a an excellent thing to do at the beginning of a test to set those expectations like that. So I got a lot of good feedback about what people felt was interesting and uh, not interesting in the game. And it was cool because between the different play tests and different board setups that I had, the areas of the board or areas of the different mechanics in the game that people thought were interesting and not interesting kind of shifted around, which is cool because it means that that board layout does actually seem like it has an effect on what you would do in a particular setup. One of the most interesting playtests that I had, though, was one where the player who won the game was not having any fun at all the entire game. Really, obviously, uh, unfortunately, to that playtester. I'm sorry, I don't remember their name, but if they're listening, I'm sorry that that was not fun for you. (laughs) But the other three players in that game were having a lot of fun and really clearly behind. That was a really strange playtest for me and made me sort of focus on particular rubber banding mechanic that I have in the game that causes someone who gets a large point lead early to basically not have very many resources accessible to them. Uh, so they kind of end up limping towards the last couple of points needed to win, which is effective, at least in that setup. But 
you don't get to interact with what's the coolest part of the game, which is setting up these routes that complete sort of multiple uh, objectives at once and cause you to get more powers and upgrade your computer and these kinds of things. So, I don't know, that was just a really interesting playtest that showed me that the thing that I think is cool in the game, the thing that I was describing to people as what I hoped was the heart of that game, was not, in this person's mind, the most direct way to points, which kind of reminds me of some setups in maybe Dominion, where you have uh, maybe some cool cards out, but probably the best thing for you to do to win is simply buy money and buy property cards. I have to kind of retune some of that stuff and make sure that those scoring opportunities are more closely tied in with the fun stuff that everybody else was doing and having fun with, even though they were losing. So I don't know. That was a really cool, a really cool play test, despite uh, <laughs> at least one of the people not having a really great time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the kind of play test that you know you really should be looking for. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah, whether it's unpub or, or anything like that, that's what you need. You need someone to either do something weird or do something that they wanted to do, and and just. Yeah, try it and and see what happens and and you know now you know you had it yeah, broken is too strong because it, it's not broken it's just you know weirdly unfun part you know of the of yeah. the game or or I should say uh, uh, situationally unfun uh, you know absolutely it, it, what happened so yeah that's that is a super successful playtest even though the end result of the playtest was you know a playtester not enjoying themselves even though they won which is like super yeah. rare. Yeah, no, that's uh, kind of an odd circumstance. I guess a follow-up to that would be that when I was playtesting Access, Access is a 90-minute, a I pitched it as a 90-minute game. Um, it probably ended up taking longer with teaching and those kinds of things. A majority of the times that we actually played it, I think when testing a longer game, and the next time I go, I will definitely do this, basically be willing to have partial playtests, I guess. If your game lends itself to that at all, have people sit down and be like, we'll play a couple rounds of this just so you can see how it feels. Give me your feedback on how that felt. Because people want to play a lot of stuff there. They're not going to sit down for... They're not going to want to sit down for two hours or three hours for some of these larger games. If they can get... If you can get something useful out of a couple rounds or three or four rounds of the game and not have to play the entire thing, or you can have a reasonably truncated version of the game. Like, I started setting my point limit from usually nine, setting it to six so I could get a game sort of completed. People could have an idea of what an end game would feel like, though not necessarily all the way to what a full game would be. If you can still get good feedback from that kind of thing, I would totally advise doing that, because people are just more likely to sit down. I did have a number of people kind of step away after asking how long the game would take, I'd be like, oh, it'll take about 90 minutes. They're like, oh, I don't want to be anywhere for 90 minutes. I want to be somewhere for like 20 minutes. On one hand, I had them test Trial by Liar then, which is a shorter game, and that was fine. But on the other hand, I would have liked to get more playtests of Access in. So making sure that I'm willing to do those kind of shorter playtests when the playtester is only available for that amount of time. I just make sure that I can make use of the time they're willing to give me. Yeah, and I think a a really good strategy for that is when someone comes up and says, how long is it? You say, well, the full game is 90 minutes, but if you only have like 20, 30 minutes, we can get a couple rounds in, and that's still going to be useful. And so so most uh, people will... You know they're willing to do that if if the designer makes it very clear that 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 is fine, and yeah. uh, sometimes what happens is you know twenty thirty minutes go by and they're really into it and they decide okay let's finish it which is a great great uh, you know outcome there and other times they might be like even if they're enjoying it so okay I only had a half hour so we got to stop and and again that's that's fine as well um, so so I think you're one hundred percent correct if you have a longer game. Uh, if you can uh, introduce it 
and give the proposition to the playtester that, you know, if they really only have 20, 30 minutes or whatever the, the timing is, that's fine. It'll still give you data and that's a totally legit approach and to potentially overcome, you know, the objections based on time. The, the other thing I would recommend, at least at the main unpub, is try to recruit some designers to play it in the off hours. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And that would, uh, especially on Designer Day and Unpub After Dark on Saturday and Sunday, and designers are almost always going to be willing to, you know, dig into a, a longer, uh, deeper game, especially one like Access, which is uh, something that I think a lot of designers would be very happy to uh, to dig into. Did you uh, try to do that at all, or th- that uh, wasn't uh, uh, available to you? So I felt like I tried to do that, mm. but I don't know. So that's another thing that I think I would give as a piece of advice is make sure that you come to uh, Unpub willing to be like super outgoing on Designer Day and on the After Dark sections. Basically make sure that that's something you have the energy to do, right? Right. So on Designer Day, I got to play a few different games to play one of James Meyer's other prototypes that he kind of came up with during the convention that I'm not sure if it's got a, th- a Schrodinger's Cats theme, but it might. <laughs> uh, I got to audit a play of Battle of Paternia, uh, Battle at Paternia and some of those other things and generally kind of walked around to try to get at some of the other tables during the day. But a lot of the time they were full. I didn't want to leave my own table for too awful long. The importance of the after dark sections for that kind of play, for like getting other designers and getting to play other designers' stuff, is a whole lot. So I guess my other advice to first timers would be like bring some caffeine, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> or or like an energy uh, you know drink or something. Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bring some fuel so that you can stay up late and make the most of that time because that's the time when you're going to get designer feedback. More so than average playtester feedback, which is going to be a different kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I was up till three a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. That's terrifying. I, I mean, hey, that's what you do at uh, event, you know, cons and stuff like this, and then get sure, up sure. at get up at uh, you know uh, eight a.m. the next day to. Oh my know. gosh! <laughs> I mean, I can do it for two days, you know, but going too much beyond that, that's where. My body would be like, "What are you doing to me? Stop! Stop!" Family size me. bottle of Nodos. I don't know. Bring something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so next year, obviously, yeah, you know, you'll you'll take in a lot of the the things that you know you realized from this year and try to incorporate that. And we can definitely, definitely. try to make sure you know we we get some rope some uh, other designers outside the group to to play some stuff and you know, and basically try to do more networking. You know, that's, you know, super important. Yeah, for sure. Anything else you want to mention about uh, Unpub 6? Yeah, yeah. There were a couple fun fun things that did happen at the After Dark. Namely, we uh, had a really awesome round of the Unpub, the unpublished card game, Unpublished oh, right. Game, which was a ton of fun. And I think that's basically the only environment where that game's going to play out the way that it did. So yeah. that's a really cool experience that's unlikely to happen anywhere else. And it was fun to do that with like some of the guys from the Boston Game Design Group. And we had uh, Nat Levan, who was in there. Yep. And th- yeah, that was, you're, you're absolutely right. That was super fun. That was one of the highlights. And I wish that we could have got to do that a little bit more, uh, but you only have, you know, so much time. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing was, I, I didn't I didn't play this because, I don't know, I'm kind of lame, but I saw this thing developing uh, after a game of Dancing Eggs, where, after Dark stuff, I think Josh Mills 
and Mark, McGee, and Nat, I think, were all making a a truth or dare style game called Dare or Dare. Did anyone talk about that yet? Mark talked about a little bit. Dare or Dare Legacy, I think it was. Dare or Dare. I didn't hear the legacy part, so <laughs> it got crazier after I stopped paying attention. So, cool. But that was that was something that was really cool to to watch happen because it, as silly as it was, it was also like legitimately a game. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So that was cool. That's that's actually how uh, Unpub uh, the card game got started. Same same thing. Yeah. Unpub Five. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, maybe Dare or Dares is something that's going to pop out. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, so, did you already get your table from Pub Seven, or do you have to do that when they? Go? I did not yet because I have to decide whether or not I want to get a full table or a tag table. Ah. Because I would like to be able to walk. Because there's so many games that I wanted to play, right. and I don't think I would be able to get them all in after after dark. And even then, like after dark, that's when a lot of the designers pack up the thing that they're showing at the tables and bring out some cool weird stuff. And not that I don't want to play the cool weird stuff, but I also want to play the thing they've got on their table. Right. So I think it might give me a little more freedom to like go and just play all the things. Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. That that is my. Number one complaint every year is that I just I, I can't play everything I want to play and, and I, I say complaint it's not really you know it's just uh, you just can't quite uh, hit everything yeah. that you truly want to be able to hit yeah that's good problems so. yeah exactly yeah well excellence uh, so yeah I'm, I'm glad that uh, I think at least that Unpub Six was a net positive and oh definitely yeah yeah and and uh, you know, already have a a rough plan for Unpub Seven. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Drew. All right. Thanks. All right. Next up, we have Josh Mills. Hey, Josh. How you doing? I am sort of recovered. How about you? I am not recovered. I am <laughs> I am still dead inside and tired. <laughs> dead inside. Oh, man. That's terrible. That's... Uh... It's not a good condition. No, generally not, no. So this was your second Unpub going as a designer and third Unpub overall. Is that right? That is correct. All this right. was definitely this was my second time jamming out with a with a game on the table. And this time you had a tag table, which uh, if the listeners aren't uh, sure what that is, that means you have a table for half a day each day instead of having a table for the entire time. So, how was your your uh, Unpub Six experience? It went really really well. I was kind of worried with the tag table because last year I, I had a full table both days and really pushed. But honestly, last year I ended up off that table. I helped you play some games. I rerouted some flights that I had to take care of on Sunday. And this year I was taking it, I was, I was taking it a lot easier. I had a game that I, I knew had already been picked up. It was going to be published. And I had another one that was really early. So anybody that wanted to play it at all, sure. Come over and we'll, we'll mess around. And even in the guide, I said, come help me design this thing. Right. I wasn't presenting it as a finished kind of like experience. Well, what was the name in the, uh, the program? Uh, in the program, it was a dice thingy uh, on the table. It was Macfire. And um, right, right there is where I insert explosions. Uh, after just, you say just that. a lot of explosions. Yeah. <laughs> for like twenty minutes. Just people uh, have to stop recording maybe, or stop listening. Maybe twenty seconds. We'll see. Twenty. That's yeah. still forever, though. It really is. <laughs> so, did you get any particularly like really insightful or good feedback uh, over the weekend? I had a couple. I had a couple of things I really wanted to do going into it. One was get a family to sit down and play Rocky Road Alamode, coming from Green Couch Games. When in in late May June, 
Okay. I don't know the exact date, but once I know the exact date, I'll push it real hard. Um, I got a family, a nine-year-old, 12-year-old, and then a mom and dad. Nobody cares about them. But normally the dad was like, oh, I have to, you know, he kind of has to help out the nine-year-old and teach him and stuff. I'm explaining the game. Nine-year-old's half paying attention, right? And then we're like, all right, it's go time. Kid knows it like the back of his hand, like he's played it 15 times. And he's just picking up cards. I see, I completely see the kind of the path to victory he's going to take, which is just taking a bunch of little stuff without trophies and then just like big slam down, slam down. He's completely executing his strategy to the nines and beats his brother by one point at the very end. And his 12-year-old brother was pissed. (laughs) And it was fantastic. And his dad, the dad was just kind of like, I... I was trying to win. <laughs> so that was a, it was a really, really solid, fun play test to see that actually happen. Because one, I got to know that it worked for a younger audience. Because, you know, with ages, you never really know. Right. And I got to see different paths of victory actually succeed. And that was a common theme. I, I made some slight adjustments to balancing. And I guess that's what balancing is for. To make different strategies viable. To the point where they're all fairly even now and they're all viable strategies depending on you know if you can get what you need was that the first time you had some young uh, children play yeah that was the first time i had anybody like under i mean 25 really play the game cool yeah that that's really good uh it's it's something that you can't necessarily count on at unpub but it is available and there there usually are some uh, younger children going around like i had a a for a family uh, play test split the loot it was four of them you know the mom dad and uh very young kid who he played with his father as a team and they had a daughter i think she was like nine or ten and boy she was cutthroat man super oh, cutthroat. cutthroat yeah oh, yeah yeah i mean i was just because you know split the loot is a negotiation game and she was all about oh uh did you want this card mom no I'm giving it to someone else. And, yeah, that was. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. You did. Yeah, you're not gonna have. It. No, that was. So that was that was really fun to see because, uh, like you, I you know really only had adults you know play tested to that point. So it was good to see that at least down to around nine or ten uh, that kids could play it and and uh, I guess depending on their personality be uh, very vicious uh, potentially. Yeah, it was nice because the, that family actually got pushed over to me from some of the other game designers of North Carolina tables. Because we that family, we were keeping that family, you know, really like on the blue shirt side, right? <laughs> like, go to the next blue shirt, go to the next blue shirt. We're going to work you for all your worth so we can really get the most out of you we possibly can. Yeah, that, that was neat how there were uh, some playtesters that wanted to hit all uh, all, of, all of our group. And, and that was unexpected, but but very cool. And people come up to you and they're like, are you part of this weird clan? And you're <laughs> like, yes, yes, I am. Yeah, that uh, may not be the word we want, but that's okay. Clan's a cool word. Clan guild. Sure. Guild sounds pretentious. <laughs> guild. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I, so. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. So, did you have an opportunity to play anyone else's designs? I didn't get a ton of opportunity to play other people's games. I did get up because I had a tag table, and I had Saturday morning, which was nice and busy and had a lot of play testing, and then Sunday afternoon, which was a little little less busy. But in between that, I actually ended up talking to a lot of designers, just a lot of showing me their games, showing where things were at. But I did get to play Point Salad, uh, Galactic Scrapper, and Minecart Madness. So those are like the building the game guys' two games, Jason and Rob, and then uh, Adam's uh, Point Salad. I really enjoyed all of them, actually, which was, was surprising. 
they're all in different states of design or development, whatever you want to call it. But I had fun at each one of them. That's good. You got in like half a game of rules election of a TC's game, but we couldn't uh, couldn't finish it. Yeah, we are just getting into it, and that had the potential. I, I really want to go back in and play TC's role selection, the role selection, the role selection game in Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hope I hope we get another chance in that one. So if uh, someone has not been to the main Unpub convention before and they're going uh, perhaps as a designer or perhaps as a playtester, do you have any advice for them so they can have uh, a good experience? I think if you're going, if you haven't gone before, even or if you have gone before and you're a designer, don't be afraid to you know talk to the the people walking around, invite them over, show them your game because they're there to play games. Like there's no reason to be hesitant. You're like, hey, come, I'm like, you know, come over and look at this weird mech tank game that is on a chessboard that looks ridiculous with a bunch of dice. What's that name again? Um, it goes by the name of Mech Fire. And it, I mean, it's basically an instant classic, and I mean, it, <laughs> might as well just send it to the printer. But you know, I, several times I've had people come over. And I was like, oh, check out this ice cream game, and I show them the multi-use cards. Maybe it's not their cup of tea, or. It's not something they really want to sit down and, and try or they just want to explore a little bit more before they make a decision because I've had that before too. Then they move along and they come back later like, oh, actually, I do want to play this now that I've, I've gotten a look at some some other things. So just talk to people and have fun. And definitely, if you absolutely have got to get there on designer day because talking to the other designers, even if it's about just problems you've had or philosophies or them showing you what they're doing or you're cutting cards together, it's super valuable. It's super, super valuable. Yeah, that that is a great point. Uh, I assume that they're going to do the uh, VIP playtester uh, next year for Unpub Seven, that like they did for Unpub Six. So you have access uh, to Designer Day. Yeah, invaluable. The access is amazing, and just what you'll learn just by osmosis, practically, uh, very, very worth it. So yeah, if you can make Designer Day, even if you don't have a table, yeah, do it. Very worth your time. All right, anything else you want to mention about uh, Unpub? I just want to thank everybody that puts it on because it's it's a huge team effort, and I know it's a ton of ton of work. And then we get there, and we're you know you, you fed us in the morning, you kept us happy, tables kept moving around, I had tons of playtesters. I'm completely and utterly satisfied. So can't wait for next year, and can't wait to do a bunch of little unpub minis if they're close enough to Durham, North Carolina. Perhaps on May 21st, uh, 2016. Oh, will there be one? Where would that be held? Oh, yeah. It's actually going to be held at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. We're giving away lots of games, and it's going to be awesome. And come uh, break Josh's games. Please, right. please break them. Yes. Someone has to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. And that will wrap up our experiences at Unpub 6. Thanks for listening.